Good morning. It's Jeff Stevens. I just wanted to come to you this morning prayerfully, talk to you a little bit about meeting together. I uh, had the opportunity yesterday just to to meet with somebody that I work with um, and pray with them and talk with them for a good period of time about faith, their faith, my faith, our individual faith walks and things we can do better, things that we're doing now, things we've done in the past. And it just got me thinking about my weekend and how the week has begun in light of the uh, the COVID-19, this coronavirus that's going around and scaring everybody and what people are doing in light of it. And then as I started to have these thoughts yesterday afternoon and last night about meeting together, this morning when I wake up, there's actually an article about a pastor that's not far from where we live who held church over the weekend uh, and is being kind of scrutinized uh, by some in the community because, you know, they had a gathering and should they have a gathering in the midst of uh, the virus? You know, it doesn't make sense. And I, I kind of knew this was coming. You know, some pastors are going to be scrutinized for meeting because people are going to say they're careless. And then some pastors are going to be called faithless because they're unwilling to meet. Um, I think both ends of the argument are a little bit ridiculous. That's that's kind of my take on it. I, uh, I think we need to be prudent in light of a virus like this. We don't want people in our community getting sick and we can carry it. We can give it to people in our community who are uh, a possibly uh, immunocompromised um, so I think it's safe to stay away from people. That's just my thoughts. Um, and of course, remember, it's not our faith that heals us. Remember, it's Jesus that heals us. So just keep that in mind. However, when we think about meeting, um, you know, we can go right to Hebrews 10. I mean, this is a really popular verse that people use when it talks about meeting together um, and how we should do that. And, uh, you know, I'll just read this little portion here out of Hebrews 10, and we'll start in verse 23, where it says, let us hold fast to the confession of our hope without wavering for he who promised is faithful. Let us consider how to stir up one another to love and good works, not neglecting to meet together as is the habit of some, but encouraging one another and all the more as you see the day drawing near. And, uh, you know, reading that, it stirs up kind of some memories of a great book that I read about a year and a half ago uh, that was written about the Didache. The Didache was a Greek uh, written document about the, the early church. It's not canon, but it's, uh, it talks a lot about the way the early church met. And uh, what it does, it makes me think about when you read the New Testament, what you don't read is a story that goes something like this. Every Sunday, Jesus opened the church at 9.30. At 10 o'clock on the nose, the worship band started. By 10.25, Jesus was preaching a message. It was 35 minutes long. He finished right on time. And everybody went home happy with smiles and shaking hands. Every Tuesday night, the elders met to discuss church business. Every Wednesday night, the women's meeting met to talk about next week's potluck. It's just not something you see. 
what you do see is ministry, individual ministry, people healing, people talking to each other about Jesus Christ, about saving faith. You see constant reassurance about things like stirring one another up. And when I see this in verse 25 in Hebrews 10, not neglecting to meet together, why would we have to neglect to meet together and still have some sort of social distance? Um, you know, in our local church, uh, it's pretty easy to get a hold of the pastor, even in the midst of this, and just say, are there any needs? You know, there's some elderly people who are either afraid to go out or don't want to go out or don't have the means to purchase certain things. We're able to go get things, do our social distancing um in whatever store we're at and drop supplies off on people's porches, make food for people and drop it off. And even in the midst of my day, um, I'm able to seek counsel with people. I don't have to hug them or shake their hand or anything like that. Um, but this is meeting together. When we are sitting with each other, considering our hope, when we're holding fast to the confession of our hope without wavering, talking about his faithfulness, we are doing just that. We're being faithful to who he is. So my encouragement today is you would do just that. It doesn't take a church congregation to have a meeting. What it takes is faithful people who love one another, who are willing to reach out their hand to their neighbors. A lot of ministry can be done, done through a, uh, you know, a, one of those glass storm doors uh, you can uh, talk to your neighbors to see what they want, drop off supplies, pray with them even. Um, you can meet with each with people at uh, more than an arm's distance and remind each other of how Christ bore our sin, how he loves us, and how we love one another. So that's my challenge for you today. Uh, go out and love each other. Take care of one another. Remember to pray fervently for each other and remember what he did for you. God bless you. Good afternoon. This is Jeff Stevens. It's uh, March 29th, still in the midst of the COVID-19 pandemic. And uh, it's kind of odd looking at things in the news lately. Uh, you know, one of the things we're seeing is as Americans who, uh, although united in a lot of ways, we tend to separate ourselves in a lot of ways. And this week, we're separated into two pretty unique categories and that is those who are considered essential personnel and still going into work, and those who are not essential and are staying at home. In the midst of staying at home, I am absolutely positive that people are taking in an unbelievable amount of social media, media, movies, surfing the net, watching videos on YouTube or TikTok or whatever platform you're on, and um, I got to thinking about it last night because I was just um, looking over some information for my family for upcoming study and trying to put together kind of a different plan or a different approach for how we look at the Bible as a text. And um, it followed on right into this morning where I was watching a video by a pastor whom I like to listen to pretty regularly named Vody Bauckham. Uh, very good speaker. I definitely recommend him. But anyway, he was uh, speaking at a college and he was talking about why he believed the Bible to be reliable. You know, this is a big topic. You know, textual criticism is a huge topic in the Christian world. 
Uh, it is one of the biggest ways that uh, believers are, I'm going to use the word attacked, but I'm attacked um, in the sense that people will disbelieve you or your faith is based on um, a lack of evidence for the Bible or for its reliability. And, you know, I just wanted to encourage you today, for those of you who are taking in all that media, here might be a new way to do some of your Bible study. So, you know, let's look at uh, Peter's words here real quick. So in 1 Peter 3, uh, one of the things that Peter talks about, he talks about marriage for here for a little while, and then he goes into suffering uh, for righteousness, and he talks a lot about how we're going to suffer. Now, I don't feel as Christians we're suffering a lot in the United States, although there's a lot of criticism of us, and there's a lot of things going on legally that we, of course, disagree with. But uh, there are not Christians right here within our borders who are necessarily being beaten or killed for our faith, although it might be in the future. A lot of places around the world they are, but nonetheless, it's very important uh, that we know why we believe what we believe. And one of the parts here, Peter is talking about uh, suffering for righteousness, and he says in his letter, in your hearts, honor Christ the Lord as holy, always being prepared to make a defense to anyone who asks you for a reason for the hope that is in you. Then, of course, he tells us to do it in gentleness and respect. And, of course, we try to do that with anybody because the best thing we could do is convince them that Christ is who he said he was, that he suffered, was crucified, buried, died, three days later rose from the grave and is seated at the right hand of the Father. That's our goal is to get them to believe that. But it's also uh, real important here in the first part of that verse, like being prepared to make a defense. So how do you add that into your daily study? Um, I there's a lot of ways that you can do it, but first I want to talk about why it's important. So why is it important to be able to make a defense and what does that mean? You know, we start looking at statistics of kids that leave home. One of the things that's a huge problem is they get amongst non-believers or maybe not even non-believers, but people who are just questioning who they are, people learning about themselves, learning about their faith. And they get asked things like, why do you believe the Bible is reliable? Or they're just foolish people who give you a bunch of junk information that's not even true, like a blanket statement like, well, the Bible's been translated, you know, hundreds and hundreds of times over, therefore it can't be reliable, which is um, a foolish, foolish thing to say. And it shows a complete lack of understanding of textual criticism or history or the way that the Bible is translated from the original Hebrew and uh, Greek and Aramaic. So, one of the things that happens is we end up losing kids because uh, they're unable to really give an answer. So how do we prepare them for that? And that is when you do your study, one of the things you can do is look at who wrote the book, when was it written, and with some simple searches you can find out you know, where did we get the reliability of the book. Is it from a certain codex or is it something that uh, you pull from a certain unique writer and what are the earliest transcripts of that? Are they transcripts that uh, pieces of parchment are found um, in the Dead Sea Scrolls? Uh, you know, there's a lot of uh, ways to kind of metaphorically to skin that cat. Um, so I would just encourage you in that. Add that to your daily study, if you will. 
Um, I know a lot of you are at home and you are, you know, looking at a lot of things on the internet and there are things that can pull you away from the truth really, really quickly. So this morning, as I'm looking at uh, a, a Vody Bakum video, I find a video of a guy who basically takes apart a speech of Vody's and just rips it. Um, and it, it's not even good information. It's just junk. And as I get about 15 minutes in a watch, I can't even watch anymore because it's not even worth replying to someone who basically comes from a stance of foolishness, foolishness and and it just probably would be uncooperative in their uh, replies. So uh, anyway, blessings to all of you today. And uh, I hope that as you dig in, for those of you who are non-essential and you're sticking around at home, you know, prepare your kids uh, as a husband and a wife, you as well. Study together in this way. Learn about the text. Why is it something that we rely on? Why do you rely on this text every day? You open the book and you read it, but why is it true? Uh, remember, just having a good feeling isn't enough. A lot of religions in the world give you some sort of special feeling. It's not enough. Why do you believe it? So uh, be blessed. Um, spend time in the Word of God today. Spend time in the Word of God this week. There's plenty of great videos out there. As I said, watch Bodhi and uh, have a great weekend.